knock down the house, or as I like to call it, burn down the country. Welcome to Oregon.、Uh, this is my parents' property up here、um, in Oregon, beautiful Oregon, with the、uh, with the river and the trees, and it's lovely, it's a lovely place. So I was pretty excited to watch this、uh, Netflix documentary,、uh, ne- uh, documentary that Netflix bought. Called "Knock Down the House," a documentary about AOC's campaign and how she how she won her campaign against、uh, the establishment Democrat Joe Crowley. I thought it would be at least interesting. I thought it would probably be a puff piece, bit of propaganda, but I thought we might learn something behind the scenes. This movie is about four congressional candidates, all women, from various parts of the country, who are primarying. Uh, Democrats, right? Establishment Democrats. So they're coming in. They're saying we're progressive. We're more Democrat than you're Democrat, right? You're a Democrat. You you own this House seat, and we're going to run against you in your primary, and we're going to take this seat from you.、Um, and as we all know, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez did it. The other three candidates, spoiler alert,、uh, do not succeed. Right? They didn't win their congressional seats. They didn't win their campaigns. Um, but we get to see sort of a quote-unquote behind-the-scenes look at all these candidates、uh, try to try to run for office. Currently,、uh, this video on Netflix has a 100% tomato,、uh, rotten tomato meter, tomato meter reading, whatever it is. It's 100% fresh, according to Rotten Tomatoes. That's the critics,、uh, the critics rating of the film. The audience rating of the film is. Thirty-five <laughs> percent.、Uh, it is not very well appreciated、uh, among the general public. Now, you might say, "Well, of course, the, you know, maybe half about half the country is going to hate it because there are conservatives. Maybe people are trolling on there."、Um, but honestly, I think the target market of most left-wing documentary films are, le- you know, it's a left-wing audience, and so usually left-wing films have very, very, very high ratings. Like I think all the Michael Moore. Uh, films have very high ratings because conservatives just don't usually go see them. Some do. I usually try to go see stuff like this,、um, but I make videos about it, so I need to know about stuff like this.、Um, but the vast majority of conservatives just wouldn't see something on Alexander Ocasio Cortez. So I think a huge number of people downvoted this video or gave it a low rating who were Democrats. Why? Okay, but before we get into the video. I want to take a minute to breathe in the Oregon air, to listen to the birds sing, and to talk about my favorite VPN, Virtual Shield. So Facebook expects to face a massive fine of up to five billion dollars, five billion dollars, from the Federal Trade Commission as a result of an investigation into its privacy. Policies. The probe centers around the violation of a 2011 agreement that Facebook made with the FTC that required the social media giant to gain explicit consent from users to share their data. Once again, big data fails to protect its consumers' privacy. Why should we keep trusting them? Well, we shouldn't. We should fight back, and one way to fight back is by using a virtual private network, a VPN. A VPN simply blocks your IP address from big data. Constantly spying on you and tracking you. Virtual Shield is my VPN of choice because it's the fastest and it's the easiest to use. Plus, they will never share or sell your data to anyone. Stop trusting free big data sites. 
Use a VPN and fight back. Now, this month, Virtual Shield is offering a Memorial Day special of 30% off all VPN plans and all premium add-ons, including Protection Plus, residential access, monthly maintenance, phone support, and VIP performance plans for as low as $3 per month. Sign up for a free 30-day trial to Virtual Shield VPN and see what the hype is about. You have nothing to lose. Protect your personal data now with a VPN. Go to virtualshield.com slash Mr. Reagan for 30% off today. The link, as always, is in the description below. All right, now that we're done with that, let's talk about this movie. This movie is very boring. It's a terrible movie. <laughs> Don't watch it. First of all, the film doesn't have too much substance, and we'll get into that a little bit later. But the film's really is, it's just a puff piece. It's like, they pretend, they pretend that it's this very raw film where they're really getting down deep into the behind the scenes, but they really don't dig deep at all. The very first scene, it opens with AOC putting on her makeup, right? So she doesn't have her makeup on. And, and that scene, it's coded, right? That scene is a code to everyone who, watching it saying, this is an example of what we're going to show you throughout the film. You see this? This is AOC raw, without makeup. This is the real AOC, right? Right. Showing her without her makeup, putting her makeup on, it's a sort of promise to viewers. This is what you're going to see. This is a really a truthful documentary. It's going to show you the raw, raw uh, reality. But that's as far as it gets. <laughs> that's as deep as it goes. AOC without makeup. Uh, <laughs> it's the only thing you're really going to learn from this documentary. The second problem that I have with the documentary and the reason that I think that it gets so such low ratings, everybody hates it, is that it's really kind of poorly made. I've seen a fair number of documentaries in my lifetime, and not all of them are fa fantastic, but even YouTube documentaries have better infographics than this documentary. There was nothing professional looking about the documentary. There was It was just a sort of amateurish documentary, very simply made. And there, there were some things in the documentary, I'm sure, that they cut out that would have been fascinating. I mean, I'm sure there was some behind-the-scenes stuff that was actually good to watch. But they probably censored the whole thing, right? They were out, looked through it, and they were like, oh, no, they could maybe use this against us. Let's take it out. They could maybe use this against us. Let's take it out. And then, and then secondly, there was a lot of staged stuff. There's this whole sequence where AOC's out canvassing, right? Canvassing just means walking the streets and talking to potential voters and trying to have discussions with them. Um, it's very obvious in the documentary that, and they don't even really try to hide it, it's obvious that AOC has never done that before and they, she probably never did it again, right? She only did it specifically for the cameras, right? To make it look like she was this hardworking candidate that really was, you know, grassroots and heading out there and just talking one-to-one -one with, with the voters. Um, I'm sure that never happened in real life. That just happened for the cameras only. And you can see her getting coached by the volunteers who are with her or the people that are running her campaign or whoever it is that normally does the real canvassing. Like at one point she has to like knock on a door, ring a doorbell, something like this. And she's talking about how nervous she is about it and oh, this is such a weird thing. And uh, it's very clear that she's never done it before. They, they left that shot in, which I thought was kind of funny. I'm nervous. <laughs> what do you say? Amazing. Who is it? What do you say? Hi, my name's Matthew. I'm out here canvassing for a congressional candidate named Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez for the Democratic Party in 2018. I was wondering if I could talk to you for a minute. No, I'm sorry. Now is not a good time. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Okay. Easy. All right, so let's get into my list. I have a list here. Oh, shoot. You know what I got to do? So 
the movie starts out, like I said before, with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez putting on her makeup, right? She then complains about this, saying something like, you know, oh, women have it so hard, we got to put on makeup. Life is so much harder for women. Men just have to get up in the morning and go to work. Getting ready. For women, it involves so many decisions about how you're going to present yourself to the world. Because there's kind of standard protocol for how a man running for office like should dress. You either put on a suit or you put on a light colored shirt, slacks, and you roll up the sleeves. I mean, those are pretty much your two options. Different people have different struggles in life. You don't have to put on makeup. Some women don't ever put on makeup. Lots of guys do put on makeup for jobs like news reporters or actors, people like that. Some women are really good at putting on makeup. It takes them like five minutes. Other women take an hour to put on makeup. I mean, different people have different priorities. They do different things. There's different expectations put on you in society. Yes. Is that the worst thing in the world? No. I don't think you should be complaining about that. Either get better, get faster putting on your makeup, or just stop wearing makeup. All right? I actually think one thing that I think is funny about feminism or this sort of I'm oh, I'm so oppressed because I'm a woman thing is that typically the things that women complain about, they, they want you to have a perfect body and they want you to have a perfect face and all this kind of stuff. It's usually other women that complain <laughs> about these things or that force women or that have these social expectations, right? Because women are in competition with other women and men are in competition with other men, right? I'm not like super fit all the time. Like sometimes I look great and sometimes I'm like, you know, I kind of get lazy and I get a little flabby. But that doesn't, you know, I don't sit there and complain all the time. Oh, it's the, it's society's fault. It's society's fault. No, I say, you know what? All right, I got to stop beating so much. I got to hit the gym a little bit more often. All right. I think that, honestly, I don't even, I'm not even sure that AOC cares that much about this. I think that it's just an easy talking point and something to throw to camera that sounds good, right? That other Democrats are going to be like, yeah, you go, girl, right? In the beginning, the fundamental question is like, why you? Nobody else would. So literally anybody could, right? Because the alternative is no one. Wow. She just made a great point. No one else is doing this. So anyone can do it. And she absolutely proved that. She absolutely proved that anyone could have taken that congressional seat. And actually, the truth is, I'm not sure anyone could have done it. I think that... The fact that she's a woman and the fact that she's a Latina um, helped hugely. And I think that she had the backing of the juggernaut that was brand new Congress, Justice Democrats, and the Young Turks behind her. I think that was an incredibly powerful force helping her to succeed in that campaign. I think the idea that anyone could do it is, is kind of wrong. But that said, she, in a way, she was right because Joe Crowley was so complacent. He, he had absolutely no expectation that anybody would ever beat him in a primary um, or that a Republican would ever win that seat. That he was just like, I'm set. I'm good. I don't even have to worry about it. Right. And that was a huge mistake that he made. And that's why Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez ended up winning that seat. But she makes a good point. Somebody else. A lot of Republicans are talking about going to the Bronx and trying to win that seat from Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. I, I don't know if that's realistic because it's the Bronx. They're probably like hugely leftist uh, for one thing. And, and secondly, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is now a celebrity. So I'm not sure. Usually celebrities, good or bad, are popular and people don't want to vote against them. So I think she'll probably keep that seat forever. Uh, we'll, we'll see. Maybe she'll become a senator. The wor words don't matter Hi. so much right now as you, right? 
You're up there to convey your emotion and to inspire people. The words are useful in that, but that's not the most important thing. The most important thing is you. You look awesome. Don't worry about any of that stuff. And as soon as you get on that stage, before you walk through that door, smile. And keep smiling until you start talking. All right, this is a like a pep talk, right? This girl's going to go on stage. She's a... Uh, She's um, she's one of the other candidates that this documentarian is showcasing in the film. Uh, she's got to go give this speech. And I know this is just a pep talk to throw this girl on the stage, and, and hopefully this guy builds her confidence enough where she, she feels good about her, the speech that she gives. He's like, just smile, just smile. Just go out there and smile. Make everybody love you. <laughs> um, but I think that this is almost like a metaphor for how the Justice Democrats and brand new Congress, how they groom their candidates. It's not about the substance. We'll handle the substance, guys. Us far lefty, socialist, you know, crazy left uh, people will tell you what to say. You just go out there and be awesome. You just go out there and be, be charismatic. You just get, get out there and act. You just perform. You don't actually need to know anything. Why would you need to know anything? Why would you actually have to have the substance? Why are you even dealing with that? You're not paid to think. You're paid to look pretty. Smile. And keep smiling until you start talking. And that seems to be the strategy with bringing some of these women on. You know, this woman's got a sort of down-to-earth, hometown feel. Uh, she'll, she'll win, right? This is a strong black woman. She's a caricature of a strong black woman. She'll win, right? This is a feisty Latina from the Bronx. You know, this is Jenny from the block. You know, this is real. You know, <laughs> They're casting these sort of cartoon character versions of the politicians that they'd like to see win. And they're hoping that the public sees that and wants to vote for that. The candidates here, the, the Justice Democrats, brand new Congress candidates, are very passionate but they're not particularly knowledgeable. They're not particularly good candidates. They're not really qualified for the job of congressman. They're really just fashionable. They're just stylish. They just have the, the style of what we think some of the voters will want in a candidate. Of course, it doesn't work. Most of them lose. But AOC, AOC, their star, wins. And I suppose the reason I'm so critical about all of this is that this is the way you produce a TV show or a film. You have a producer who organizes all the players. You have a writer who creates the substance. And then you have an actor come in and they read from the script. They don't have any ideas of their own, really. They just present it in a way that they think will be effective, right? They're charming. They come in and they charm everybody. And they say the words on the, on the page, but they do it in such a manner where it's realistic, where you really believe it, right? And this is how Justice Democrats and Brand New Congress operate. They're the directors, they're the producers, they're the writers, and then the person that's the face of them, the AOCs, or whoever else these candidates are, they're the actors that come out and they present um, the, the written material for you, right? We're actually voting for a kind of, uh, we're voting for brand new Congress by proxy, right? And these um, candidates are the, the face of their company. They're the puppet dictators, if you will. <laughs> we're a country that's supposed to be set up where people are supposed to have the final say. What happens is those who are already entrenched select people. It's, it's going up against the establishment in the true sense of the word. So you have to make sure you have as much stuff in order as possible. And what they will do sometimes, if they have enough stuff to play with, they know that eventually you're going to get on the ballot, but they're going to keep you busy until the day before election. Mm. So then you have no time. 
Now, this I actually believe. I, I think probably in a lot of democratic strongholds, they probably do employ a lot of nefarious tactics, corrupt tactics, to try to avoid ever being primaried, ever being challenged in a pi- primary. I, th- I see a lot of corruption on the democratic side. Now, there's been corruption on the, the Republican side, too. There, when you have power, when, when you have a political position or something, something where you have power and there's money involved, stuff like that, you're always going to find corrupt people. But I do, I, in my experience, I've seen a lot more on the left. I mean, you get corruption after corruption after corruption on the left. On the right, you don't see it as much. You do see it, but it's fairly rare. There's tons of corruption on the left. I only live six minutes from Ferguson. Chaos in the streets of Ferguson, Missouri. Crowds furious over the police shooting of unarmed black teenager Michael Brown. I took to the streets to lend a hand as a nurse. What I was wanting to see was justice happen. It didn't happen. Now, in the documentary, they talk about Ferguson as though this grave injustice happened. They still kind of are are towing this line of the, the Black Lives Matter line of like, oh, yeah, yeah, this was a terrible injustice. And I think for the most part, that story was revealed to be not really a problem with the police. I think at the end of the day, it was not a police corruption issue, but they're still they're still painting it as a police corruption issue. There was just a, like an unfortunate incident where a suspect uh, somebody that the police w- were were trying to stop resisted arrest and was killed, right? And that's terrible. That's always tragic. But to sit here and always blame police for it, it's always the police's fault, especially if there's a black kid involved. It's not just wrong, it's dangerous. It's a dangerous perspective to have. So to continue to perpetuate that in that th- this film, uh, that bothers me quite a bit. Being a woman of color, our image is really scrutinized. You have to speak like this. You have to dress like this. Yeah, I don't care basically deal with it you know people in my district this is how we look i'm going to serve and represent the people of my district you have to speak and dress a certain way as a black woman um you have to speak and dress a certain way as an american as uh as a white guy as a whatever i mean what is she talking about i mean you don't really you don't really have to do anything i mean there are certain expectations that everyone has of everyone if you want to function in polite society. Essentially, like if you want to be taken seriously as a person, you have to speak well. You have to dress well. You have to be charming. You, know, you, you have to be kind. You have to... I can't think of a specific thing in which I would look down on a black woman for doing. I didn't require the same thing from any other kind of person. I hear this thing all the time. I hear this thing about, oh, black women have to wear their hair a certain way or else people don't take them seriously. Well, just nice is good. Nice is good. I, I've been hearing it a lot lately. That if black people let their hair be natural, right? They let it sort of be curly or something like that. That white people don't like them as much or something. Or they, they're more racist against them. And if black people straighten their hair, they look somehow more white. And white people like them more or whatever. Uh, I've, <laughs> I've never heard that come from any white person. I've never felt that way about black people. Look, if you want to straighten your hair and it looks great then go for it. You know, if you want to wear your extensions or whatever it is, go for it. Um, if you look good with curly hair and, you know, you look you look nice, you look beautiful with curly hair, leave your hair curly. Leave your hair however naturally, you know, it comes, whatever. As long as it looks good, as long as it looks clean and tidy and beautiful and charming, I don't care if you're white or black or Asian or whatever. Um, if you look like you got out of bed in the morning, uh, you know, if you're a white woman, um, people are going to probably take you less seriously than if you do your hair up very nicely. Um, that's just the nature of people. It's not, it's not black people or white people. 
uh, people generally feel like if you're well-dressed and you don't look like a slob, people are going to respect you. If you dress poorly, they're going to respect you less, right? Because if you don't, because it looks like you don't respect yourself. And it doesn't have anything to do with black or white or anything. Everybody always wants to make everything a race. It's not all race, okay? Sometimes it's cleanliness. Sometimes it's like um, professionalism. Sometimes it's the appearance of self-respect, right? You don't, there's, not, there's nothing applied to you as a black woman that is some kind of double standard. We have the same standard for everyone. Look good, look clean, look polite, look charming. I don't care if you're black or white, right? Green or orange. Doesn't matter to me. We're actually now posting that I'm a Marxist. I don't even know what a Marxist is. <laughs> you know what? Bring it on. I don't even know what a Marxist is. If you don't know what a Marxist is, you probably shouldn't be running for office. <laughs> this to me, this to me is the moment that it was the most obvious that they had brought people in that they thought could win in that district, irrespective of their qualification. So yeah, so I think that brand new Congress and, and Justice Democrats, I think this movie sort of validated my brains behind AOC video, where I said that AOC was essentially an actress. Um, I didn't say that literally she was an actress. Snopes, you deceptive POSs. I said she was essentially an actress. She, she functioned in the same way. It looks like all of these women do. I mean, it looks like... You don't know what a Marxist is? You don't, you don't appear to know anything about politics. Look, I don't think that you need to know everything about every issue and you need to be some kind of like academic or you need to be some obsessed with politics in the same way that I am in order to be an effective politician. But something as broad and as fundamental as Marxism, to not know what that is. Uh, I mean, she seems like a nice woman. She seems like she's very well-intentioned. But she seems like she's being used by the Justice Democrats and by brand new Congress because she has a personality that seems very bold, seems very strong, and seems like it might win. And so they're using her. That's what it looks like to me. When I was about four or five years old, my whole extended family chipped in everything they could for a small down payment on a tiny house about 30 minutes north in a place called Yorktown. I went to public school in a town where no one looked like me. I went to a public school in a town where nobody looked like me. <laughs> oh, the horror. Well, didn't, didn't uh, Barack Obama grow up, at least for part of his life, in Indonesia? I mean, he was in Indonesia. He was in a country where literally no one looked like him. Literally thousands, if not millions of people live in countries in which nobody looks like them. Okay, so, so I guess you get a question here. What's more important, going to a school in which everybody looks like you or getting a great education? I, I think probably getting a great education is probably a greater benefit than going to a school where people look like you. I'm sure she wasn't. She, see, the, the funny thing is, in the video, she doesn't say... Oh, I was really abused, you know, for my race. I wasn't like, you know, I, I had this like really hard time with the other students, you know, treating. You know, I was so marginalized. It was a, my life was horrible. She doesn't say that because I'll bet you, I'll bet you anything. She was extremely popular. Probably people loved her. She probably had a great time at that school in that town. But she pretends like oh, it was this this horrible, horrible thing. You know, what? if it was so bad that nobody looked like you at that school. Go to school in the Bronx. You could have told mom and dad, I'm having a really hard time in this school. Can I go back to school in a place where people look like me? But you know what? She never said that. Why? Because she did not have a bad time. She had a great time. And she had a great, probably way better education, way better than she would have had in the Bronx, which actually I think is another reason why we should privatize schools. If she really cared about students, if she really cared about this kind of life, or if she thinks she had this terrible life because she went to a school in which people didn't look like her, Advocate for the privatization of schools. Advocate for a voucher system in which the, the public fund 
pays for you to go to whatever school you want. This will help out every minority in America who is poor and lives in a bad neighborhood. But you don't want to do that, do you? Because you are beholden to the teachers' unions. So look at this thing. Everybody in the district got this Victoria's Secret catalog of my opponent. And I mean, I'm not trying to gas myself up or brag or anything, but this is the difference between an organizer and a strategist. What am I trying to get people to do? I want them to know my name, and I want them to know that they need to vote. This is how a strategist does it. Where's the primary date on this? When you first see it, when you first pull this out of your mailbox. Let's give them a chance. Let's open it up. Where's the primary date? Democrat Joe Crowley is leading the fight against Donald Trump. One of these core, core issues with a Democratic establishment is that their consultants are garbage. They're losing. It's scary that this is like the fourth most powerful Democrat in the country, and this is the type of stuff that he's doing. Here she spends a ton of time complaining about this Joe Crowley flyer. It's like a really bizarre criticism, like, like, like as if this is like some kind of moral thing, this like ethical failing of Joe Crowley. Oh, he, he didn't get, he didn't do the flyer right. Okay, so he doesn't have as good a graphic designers or marketing people as you. This is not an ethical failing. I mean, you can ridicule him all you want. I mean, you did win, so good job. But like, I don't know why she spent so much time focused on this flyer. I mean, this this to me indicates, uh, once again, she's a style over substance candidate. It's a weird, weird thing to talk about. Joe Manchin has been declared the winner with 69.5% of the vote. Two Paula Jean Swearingen's 30.5% of the vote. Not bad. With 7.4% of precincts. Incumbent Lacey Clay, 61% of the vote against his closest competitor, Cori Bush, with 31% of the vote. It was the old guard versus the progressive new guard. Many of you call for change after Ferguson. It does not look like that is happening, though. Okay, so this is this is from my researcher, uh, Dick Jackman. He's a awesome dude. F- follow his Twitter. Um, I think it's at something at Dick Jackman one or something like that. <laughs> a West Virginia white woman loses to a West Virginia white established man in a mixed West Virginia white community. An African American woman loses to an African American man. Amy, v- Amy Valela loses. Not sure. The amount of tears is crazy. <laughs> I mean, okay, so he's really focused on identity politics here, which really makes sense because the Democrats are obsessed with identity politics. But the truth is the best person with the best ideas should win, right? Not somebody controlled by a group. It's, you know, the person that wins should not be the puppet puppet candidate of some outside group, right? I think that this is something I've been railing against for a long time. Candidates should stand up for themselves, should have their own ideas, should be able to take part in a debate and do well. And, and, and to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's credit, she did go into a debate with Joe Crowley and destroyed him. I mean, she really did really, really well. Um, I think that she was heavily coached by her team. I do think that all the points that she presented in that case were the, the points of Zach Exley and Saikot Chakrabarty and, you know, all those guys, Trent, Corbin Trent and uh, maybe Alexandra Rojas. Allow me to read some critical reviews. These are from Real Critics. All right, this is from the London Evening Standard, Alastair McKay. In the end, Lears finds the hope that she is looking for. It's hard to resist a candidate who is so fresh, so new, so perfectly now. (laughs) Lears, I think, is the filmmaker. Uh, Oliver Jones of The Observer writes, 
As the primary results pour in, Knock Down the House becomes the electoral equivalent of the Death Star raid in Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> John Doyle of the Globe and Mail writes, Watch this, and you're watching a revolution. One that will make a lot of viewers stand up and cheer. <laughs> so let's have a look at some of the audience's reaction. Um, this is from ENT. As a doc, I thought it was poorly structured and lacked clarity, but the subject matter was inspirational. So this is even a leftist, probably somebody who loves AOC, and he's like, eh, it's not a good documentary. Okay, this guy, who doesn't have a name, right, gave it one star and writes, it had an endearing ending like Infinity War. The bad guys end up winning, but without all the heart and awesome CGI effects that Marvel brings. Uh, she's basically a boring Thanos um, that thinks that wiping out half the planet will save the planet. Go see John Wick instead. That's great. Uh, Fidel P. gives it half a star. Horrible movie. What a waste of time. After watching this, I switched to being a conservative. Ugh, I can't believe I'm saying this. If that's true... <laughs> I love you, Fidel P. That is like the best thing I ever read in my life. Okay. Chantalowen M. writes, uh, gives it one star and writes, This is the single most awful piece of excrement that I've ever sat through. I'm a huge AOC supporter, but this does not tell the truth. She wrote TGIS, which I don't understand what that means, um, is watered down lies and good feelings make garbage. The real AOC is a warrior, and she is going to help us get the Republican Republican spit of this country. Pit, okay. The grammar isn't great. Uh, she will see them evicted, or they can face death. You will see. AOC is not just a politician. She is the chosen one. The hand of Allah. Okay. That's terrifying. And on that bombshell, I guess that's it for me. That was... That was horrifying. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that's it for me. If you like this video, hit the like button. If you want to see more like this, please subscribe. And if you hate me, you might be Chantelowen M. Um, sorry, we dislike this movie for two very different reasons. <laughs> Good night. I know those things can grow out of despair in an inner city. Uh, when there's hopelessness at, at home, lack of work and so forth. Eternally optimistic, and I have to believe that we've made great progress from the days when I was young and when this country didn't even know it had a racial problem.